and his uh, new baby. This is Elan, and she's such a sweetheart. She's precious, and uh, we're glad to have them with us. And uh, also, Lanita has been, uh, she's a, a graphic designer, and she's been working for uh, several weeks on a redesign of our logo, Life Church logo. So we're going to be having something completely different when the new church building is built. Uh, and we're going to be creating new business cards and letterhead that uh, some people have complained that the old one looked like, kind of like some kind of nuclear thing or something. So the new one's going to be more life-esque. So uh, we're excited about Sister Lenita helping us with that. So I want you to make these people. Have you ever met somebody that um, the, the, the longer you get to know them, the more impressed you are with them and the more respect you have for them? Have you met somebody like that? Have you met somebody like that's the reverse of that? Like you meet them like, wow, these are great. These are cool folks. And the more you get to know them, you're like, mm. Amen. And so I, I'm thankful for Brother Daryl and Sister Lenita. And uh, I, I mentioned we've known them since they were kids. We weren't close then, just kind of acquaintances. In the last couple of years, I've had the opportunity to get close to Brother Daryl. And the longer I know him, the more I know him, the more, the, the deeper my level of respect comes for not only his abilities, but for his character. And I'm glad he's here with us for the next few days. God bless you. Why don't we make him welcome right now? very much. It's a tremendous privilege to be with y'all, and, and if you'll just give me, indulge me for one moment, stay standing. I want to say how much my wife and I do love and appreciate your pastor and his family, uh, Cambria, Brooklyn, and Edibu ha- have been so much fun to be around, and we've enjoyed them, and then to be able to be with uh, in fellowship with your pastor and his wife for the past few days. Would you put your hands together and let them know how much you appreciate and love them? And then this week when you're in prayer, uh, remember your pastor, hopefully he'll preach a sermon that somebody remembers. And doesn't is more affectionate than infectious. So sorry I couldn't resist. Either that or on Twitter, one or the other. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now and ask God to minister to us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come into this sanctuary today to worship you, to see you face to face, Lord Jesus, to experience your presence. To be cleansed from this world, Lord Jesus. To be renewed, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be ministered to. To be blessed today and to bless you, Lord Jesus. We know you're a great God and we want to be good children. We want to be good saints. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. Today is Father's Day, and I, I do have uh, a great... My dad is just an amazing individual. My, my grandfather, his dad, was, was and is an amazing individual. Just, just wonderful people. But on, on this Father's Day, there's another individual that my wife and I had in our lives, a man who became very dear and special to us. And uh, throughout the years that, that he was alive, was very kind to us, uh, gave to us generously both his, his resources his talent, his treasure, and we're very thankful for that. His name was Papa Joe, and uh, when, of course, we, uh, Papa Joe just passed away a few years ago, and he was almost 80 years old, so we didn't know Papa Joe uh, in his early years. We met him later on and, and got to know him, but throughout the years, we began to learn a little bit about his story, and part of it's legend, and then part of it's truth, and we're not sure which is which, but Papa Joe was an amazing character, and I always uh, thought that uh, I knew that Papa Joe was born in 1931. I always thought that he was born in, in Italy in this uh, little industrial uh, village that was uh, escaping the horse and wagon era and, and uh, trying to get away from uh, all of that. He, 
uh, when he, uh, growing up, Papa Joe was one of these very gregarious individuals that uh, was excited about life and was always trying to do something, always trying to, uh, to, to break the norm and to be an individual. And, and if you're growing up in Italy uh, in the 1930s, this is obviously right after World War I, and Italy has recovered from that, and uh, it's before World War II begins, and, and, and Europe was having their own industrial revolution. You'll remember that Hitler was inventing the highway system that was changing the face of Europe, and, and so many different things were happening. The plane had really come in, uh, to prominence from being used in World War I, and, and so uh, Italy was a beautiful place to be in 1931. But in 1936, Italy decided that it would invade Egypt, and that was the, the beginnings of World War II, and it was just a... A, a very crucial, difficult time that Italy went through and then finally joining forces with uh, Germany and uh, hence World War II really uh, came on full scale and our world would never be the same after that. And Italy would not be the same after that. And so if you were to go through uh, this uh, this tumultuous time and in, in Italy and, and know that your country had attacked other countries and then uh, Mussolini is, is put out and, 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 and uh, the United States soldiers along with uh, England and, and France and, and the other allies come marching through to liberate Italy and Germany from uh, their dictators. It, it would have been a difficult time to be there and the, the dream was to get to the United States. Uh, many of them had never been to the United States, and this is before the media had great prominence. And so they only knew a little bit about it, but they had been told that in the United States you can become anything you want to become. You can live any life you want to live. You can get wealthy. You can have a big home, a nice car, and your family can enjoy life as you build your own business. And that is every person's dream, supposedly. So uh, the, the legend is that that Papa Joe wanted to get on a ship and head to the United States of America. And so he started doing everything he could to uh, earn a little bit of money and try and get on a boat and get across the Atlantic Ocean so that he could come to the United States. And, and, and so he does this. And when he, when he gets to the United States, he gets to New York and there in, in the shadow of the Statue of Liberty. And he finds himself in this great nation and begins to move into New York City and finds and moves into a home in Brooklyn, New York. At the same time that, that Papa Joe is uh, supposedly going through all of this, it, it also is that a young girl is growing up in Germany at the same time. Germany faced the same struggles. They had the same highs before the war and the same lows after the war. In fact, Charlotte was born into a home that was very well off financially. And, and when the, the soldiers from the Allied forces came through and they occupied Berlin, she had to move out of her home as, as soldiers moved into her home. And she lived in the basement of, of one of her friend's homes until she also could save enough money and get a ticket and get on a ship across the Atlantic Ocean to New York City. And so here you have in New York City these two young individuals. You have this Italian, outgoing, outlandish, outspoken, uh, gregarious Joe who, who was quite an individual. He was about my height, only about 50 pounds uh, lighter than I am. And he had hair like Einstein. And he was in your face. It was just who he was. Now, I know I, that's kind of redundant to say he was Italian and say all that. But um, I hope I don't have any Italians here today. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, every, he was just every, you know, just excited. He was the sanguine party uh, of the uh, of, of, of the of the neighborhood. And, but then you have this other girl, uh, Charlotte, who uh, born in Germany, fluent in German, obviously. It's you know, it's always a good thing if you're born in the country where you speak the language. But um, maybe later. Um, and, and and just a little bit of broken English. So so seeing Papa Joe and uh, Charlotte trying to communicate must have been quite interesting because he was Italian and he was this brash, in-your-face individual and she was German, and, and, uh, but she was quiet and shy and reserved. And, and, and so this love blossoms between the two of them and, and Joe and Charlotte uh, get married and they do chase after and catch the American dream. Because Joe was a natural-born entrepreneur. What Joe liked to do was to start businesses, 
build them up, make a lot of money, and then sell the business, and then go start another business, build it up, make a lot of money, and then sell that business. And, 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 and Joe made great money. In fact, as long as Charlotte was in New York City, she never actually had to get a driver's license because if she needed to go somewhere, Joe would just send a driver. And then they had two little boys, and so they had this beautiful home, they had these beautiful uh, little boys, and they had this wonderful life together, Joe and Charlotte LaGrega. It's an amazing thing. But, but see, Joe couldn't get quite enough. It wasn't enough that they had all of this. And, and so Joe kind of got connected with some, some criminals and became a part of a crime syndicate and, and started doing some illegal things. And it became Joe's place to uh, distribute drugs as drugs would come into the United States uh, and, and come into Brooklyn there. Joe would collect these drugs and he would distribute them out to uh, the, the street dealers and then and then they would bring their money back in and, and so forth and and so they had this business going and so now Joe is not just making the money from his from his legitimate businesses but he's making money from his illegal businesses as well but and, and all that's good and Charlotte knows nothing of this and the boys know nothing of it and Joe's living two lives and Joe makes a mistake Joe decides to try some of the drugs and at first it was just recreational, just want to try it out and see, see what it's like, see why people want all this. But then he had to do it again and do it again. And the next thing Joe knows is Joe is addicted to these drugs. And I pray to God that, that my son, Reed, never is tempted to try any of that because all of us have seen what happens to, the, to an individual who gets addicted to drugs. They can recover. They can uh, rehabilitate and all of that. But the life that they go through is so painful, so difficult, so frustrating. Our prayers go out to those type people. And Joe went down in this drug abuse and, and his life was just wrecked from it. And Joe, it wasn't, he wasn't making enough money to pay his own own drug habit. And so now he began to embezzle from his company to pay for his drug habit. And he began to embezzle from his company and, 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 and eventually he, he ran his company into bankruptcy and uh, just overnight just seemingly destroyed his company. And Charlotte and the boys know nothing of it. This is in the 60s when all this is happening. Late 60s moving into the 70s. And by the early 70s, Joe has lost everything. And Joe walks out of his house one morning and he goes to work. And Charlotte has no idea anything is wrong. She knows her husband is stressed, but he's been able to hide everything. And he goes to work, and he never comes home. When he leaves work that day, Joe goes to a rail yard and finds an empty boxcar and crawls up in it. He is bankrupt. He has lost his business. He's walked away from his wife. He's walked away from his boys, and he's a drug addict. His life is ruined. What was the American dream is now gone. And Joe crawls up in a boxcar in a rail yard there in New York City and goes to sleep. And begins to live his life in a boxcar. And he'd get up in the morning and he would go and he would scavenge through dumpsters to try and find some food to feed himself to keep him alive for another day. And if he was lucky enough to earn some money, he would go and spend that on drugs to get another fix. And Joe was living this tragic life in a rail yard. Decided one day not to get off the boxcar. And they hooked it up to a train. That train went down the East Coast. And this is in the early 1980s now. And it goes down the East Coast. And, and, and Joe's just riding. He doesn't know where he's going. He's just going for a ride because he has nothing else to do. And he gets off in Orlando. Orlando is where my family is. Orlando is where my father pastored him. And what a beautiful city Orlando is. And that must have been quite an amazing thing for him to have lived in New York City all these years and then find himself in Orlando in the early 1980s when things were really booming. Disney had caught on and, and, and the city was just exploding with growth, growth. It was an amazing place. And Joe gets off this uh, train in Orlando and begins to wander around the streets doing the same thing, digging through dumpsters, hoping that he can somehow put his life together again. And he moves into an abandoned building and begins to live in this abandoned building. And he doesn't know anybody. He doesn't know where to go. He's just trying to get everything back together again. And that is the story of Joe's life. And there's a young guy from our church who happens to drive past this abandoned building on his way to work. And passed it many times. And he never thought anything about it. Until one day, he's on his way to work. And he feels like he should 
go in. He should pull in the driveway and go in this abandoned building. And he shrugs it off and he goes on to work. And he's coming home from work and he passes that building. And again, it just draws his attention and he feels like he should go in and, and, and find out what's going on. And day after day, week after week, there is this, this obsession, this drawing on his life that he should stop pull into this parking lot, and go in this abandoned building. Now, I'm a little sarcastic. My question is, why didn't you take a different way to work? And, and so, at some point, Ricky decides, you know what, I got, I got a few extra minutes. I'm going to find out what is obsessing me about this building. And so, and, and he doesn't even know what's going on in his own life. And so he pulls into this, into the parking lot of, of this building and he goes in. Now you got to, you just have to use your mind's eye to see what happened here because you've got this homeless Italian who's probably wearing five layers of clothes and hasn't bathed in, uh, in, in weeks and his hair is like Einstein. And so you can imagine what his beard must have looked like and, and, and just this, this uh, uh, horrible uh, sight. And, and in comes Ricky, and, and he's just wearing, you know, business casual, you know, just a, a shirt and tie. And, and he comes walking in, and, and Joe is there. And Joe's not expecting anybody, but neither is Ricky. And so he walks in, and, and Joe, you know, what are you doing here? And Rick's like, I don't know. What are you doing here? And, and, and so Joe is, you know, letting him know, you know, I'm going to protect myself. And Rick says, you know what? I, I don't know what I'm doing here. But I, I drive past this building every day, and I just felt impressed over and over and over again that I should come in. Maybe God has urged me to come in here to meet with you, to talk to you. And Joe's look on his face, what, what would God have to do with me? Why would God send you in here to talk to me? And, and Rick, I, I, I don't know, but, but I do know that I believe in God, and I have a great church, and and if you want, I'll take you to my church. I don't know about that. And Rick says, well, you know what? Why don't you, why don't you come to my house? I will, I'll get you a hot shower. We'll get you a fresh change of clothes. And we'll get you a fresh meal. And then we can talk about it over dinner. And Joe says, well, I don't know. Let me check my calendar. <laughs> Seems like I might have a little bit of time. So Joe goes home with Rick. Now, for all the wives that are in here today, I probably wouldn't have made it about three feet in my house. He goes and takes Joe into his home and feeds him and get, lets him use his shower to bathe and clean up and get him a fresh change of clothes, which is also kind of amusing because Rick's like six foot three and Joe's five nine. So, you know, sleeves a little long, everything's just a little oversized. And so, um, so Rick begins to talk to Joe about God and begins to explain to him. And Joe's response is, I don't know anything about God. I've never been to a church. I've never owned a Bible. I don't know anything about God. And, and Rick says, well, why don't you come to church with me? And, and so, so the next church service, Rick goes and gets Joe. Joe is still living in the abandoned building. And, and Rick goes and gets him and brings him to church. And, and our church was similar to this, only it was four sections across. And, and, and so Rick comes in with his family and says, I'm going to sit down here with my family. But, you know, you can sit wherever you want. And Joe doesn't know anything about it. So he comes in, sits on the back row, and he's just going to be a watch, uh, be a spectator today. He's just going to watch what's going on. And, and so church begins. And and, and the music people are leading in worship and, and, and they're helping everybody. Aren't you thankful for musicians and singers that work and prepare to lead us in worship? I resent it when they don't prepare and I thank God for it when they do prepare. Because Revelation says eight times to sing a new song. It says nothing about singing old songs, but it does say to sing a new song. Anyhow. Uh, so worship is taking place in the church and, and the preacher gets up and preaches and, and church is over and so Rick goes back to see Joe and, to, and, and says, Joe, what did you think about church? And, and Joe's response is, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what that, what was that that I felt? I was, I was feeling something in the, in the church service. 
And Rick says, that is the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. And I believe that when you come into the house of God, you should expect to feel the power and the presence, the love of Jesus Christ. And so, and so Joe's response is, you know, I don't know what that was, but I like it and I want some more of it. And Rick says, well, I think we can work on that. And so he gets, gets Joe a Bible and begins to teach Joe a Bible study. And so Joe starts coming to our church, and, and, and Joe is a character. And he begins to move a little bit closer to the front, and he's no longer sitting on the back. And, and, and he just wants more and more, and he doesn't know anything, so he's soaking everything in. And he doesn't even know how to study the Bible. And so he just begins to read from the, from the very first words of the Bible. He doesn't even know what to read. Just start from the very first page. And so he sees that, Genesis one one in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and that's where He starts. And you know what does that mean in the beginning? He begins to to dig into it, and he finds out that it says in the beginning, before time began, God was already there. Time is part of God's invention. God is not trapped by time. God is outside of time. And Joe says, that's the kind of God I need because I don't need a God that sees me here today as a homeless drug addict that's walked out on his wife and boys. I need God to see me as what I was in my past and what I can be in my future. We serve a God today. I I don't care who you are. Jesus Christ can make you over again. I believe God can do anything. In fact, I pray for people's personalities to change. It's just. And so he's reading the Bible in the beginning. Now, most of you didn't even get that much out of that. But Joe, he doesn't know anything. So he's digging into it. In the beginning, God. I was already there. God created. Created what? The heavens and the earth. I don't need a creator. I'm already here. Well, keep on reading, Joe. Created the heavens. What about the heavens? Nothing else is said in the heavens until you get to later on in the Scriptures. In fact, Revelation tells us more about what won't be in heaven than what will be in heaven. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering, no more death. That's what Revelation tells us. not about what is there. And so, created the heavens and the earth. And then it says, The earth was without void, without form, without shape. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And Joe says, That's me. That's my life, without form, void, and dark. The very first words of Scripture are speaking to Job, and Job was called out. That's me. Well, keep on reading, Job. And the Spirit of God moved. And for the next 26 verses, God takes what was without form, void, and dark, and begins to restore it. You see, when Joe sees the word creator, that's a really cool thing that God could create and make everything. But I don't need a creator. I need a restorer. But when he sees that God takes the world that is messed up and puts it all back together again, Joe says, that's the God that I need. A God that can take my life and make something beautiful out of it. And he just begins to, to read the Bible and soak it up and everything about it and just loving it and, and, and constantly. And Joe would read, he would literally just read his Bible through from, from cover to cover several times a year. Most saints never bothered to read it through one time. But Joe wanted to read it and just was taking it all in. And every time he'd read it, he would come and he would, and his Bible was worn out and he'd come up to me and he'd hold the Bible. And he was one of those close talkers. And he would get the Bible right up in my face and he would be saying, read this. Do you understand what that means, boy? He, was, he hadn't lost his Italian. When he got in church, he was still Italian. Still outgoing, still in your face. And he would just yell at me when he was talking to me. Do you see this, son? Do you know what this means? You talk about spiritual fathers. Job became a spiritual father in that church. 
And it was an amazing relationship that, that church developed with Joe. And, and here he is. And, and again, most stuff about Joe was legend. But um, he, he developed a relationship in that church. And that church began to call him Papa Joe. And that was whatever we all called him. And, and, and we only knew bits and pieces of his, of his past life. And, and as time would go on, we'd find out and discover more. And, and, uh, um, and so he, he comes into church, and now he's sitting in the front row. And, and, and we loved him, and, and, and preachers especially loved him after you got to know him. First, you're kind of not sure, but then you get to know him. Because while you'd be preaching, if you were doing a good job, if you were preaching a sermon that someone might remember... Joe would holler out, shake the tree, preacher. I still don't know what that means. But it felt good. I felt like I was doing a good job. And so, and, and so he would holler out, shake the tree, preacher. And at first people were like, what? Well, you know, what's going on? But then, but then you get used to it. And, and, and so uh, and he, was, he was just this beloved character in our church. And um, he, he started doing what he was doing before. He started building up businesses and making money and then selling those businesses to other people. And it was always amusing to me. I don't know what he did before, but the businesses he built there in Orlando were businesses that nobody needed. And yet somehow he made a fortune and would sell them off to somebody else who probably didn't do quite as well as he did. But um, And it was very entertaining to watch that. And so... Uh, there's this one young man that came up to him uh, in, in a service, and I, and I don't think I actually saw it with my own eyes, but I know what happened. I heard the, the, the story as it traveled around, and, and uh, um, the guy comes up to him and, and asks him, and says, uh, Papa Joe, you know, I know I, I'm a businessman, and I, I see you, and you know, walking around. And the cool thing about Papa Joe was he was old school. It was all cash. Just the way he lived. Not a bad way to live. And so, you know, he didn't have room for fives, tens, and twenties either. It was just $100 bills. And so as kids, we'd go up to him and ask him to borrow a five. So, he's passed away now. I can't pay him back. So, I always intended on it. Um, and, and so he just made money and he had this cash on him all the time. And so this businessman walks up to him, young businessman, and says, you know, I need some, I, I need some advice on... on uh, on, that was awkward for me. I need some advice on, you know, how to build a great business. I want to be a good businessman. And so Joe turns around and grabs the young man by his lapels and says, you want to know what the difference is between me and you? And Joe's like, or the young man's like, well, that's, you know, kind of asked that question. And Joe looks at him and says, the difference between me and you is I trust God with all of my money. And you only trust God with some of yours. And Joe had a philosophy. You don't pay tithe on what you do make. You pay tithe on what you want to make. Now, Joe paid cash for his house. I borrowed money to buy mine. It's a lifestyle that Joe lived that he just fully bought in to God and everything in the Word of God. What would happen in the church world today if everybody believed the Bible like Joe believed it? Because as Joe would study the Bible, and it was always, it was always interesting, everything about Joe, it was almost like you just wanted to follow him around just to see what was going to happen next. And this guy comes up to Joe. And, and he's, he thinks he's going to encourage Joe because Joe's been in our church now a number of years, probably 10 years. And we, don't, you know, we know that he had a wife and he had kids, but all that's gone. He's, you know, we don't even know if he's talking to him. And he goes up to him and says, hey, hey Papa Joe, you know, I know, you've, uh, uh, you know you've been here for a number of years and I've never seen you, you know, uh, take any ladies out or anything. He said, but, you know, Sister So-and-so over there, you know, he's a pretty young-looking 50. I don't know what that means today, but I probably will in about 10 years. So, so Joe turns around and says, you don't understand. I don't understand what? He says, 
the preacher preached. Jeremiah asked, is there anything too hard for God? The answer is nothing. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Is there anything too hard for God? Yeah, even God can get you a date. And Joe says, no. He said, my wife and my boys are in New York City. And if God can do anything, God can restore my family. Now, now we don't even know anything about his wife and, and kids. Now, we, you know, we, we see him. And you know when you see somebody and you're around them, you assume what the rest of their family is like. You have that perception? So we know we we think we know what they're like, and so, uh, but Joe believes that God's going to restore his family, and he, he's trying to make contact with his boys and Lottie, and he does eventually make contact with them and begins to talk to them on the phone, and it turns out that Charlotte was waiting on Joe. Everybody else thought that she was either divorced, she'd forgotten about him, she thought he was dead, and moved on, but Joe. Believed that God could bring his family back together again. And Charlotte was waiting on him. And so Joe comes in church one day and he's like, I, I'm, I'm flying to New York City. And Joe never missed church. And if you ever missed church, he told you where he was going to be. Because he just believed that he needed to be accountable to his pastor. And I wasn't his pastor, but, but he would always tell his pastor, I'm flying to New York City. I'm going to go get reacquainted with Lottie. I'm going to take her out on a date. And so he flies to New York City and... And here you have this. And, and, and Joe never quite got the Italian out of him. And Lottie was still, you know, German at heart. And so here they go, and they go on their first date again. What a beautiful story. And Joe flies home, and he's all smiles, and he's excited, and he's telling us about it, you know, telling us, you know, I took her to this great restaurant. And you're like, let me guess, it was Italian. And... And so he's telling you about it. And then a few months later, hey, I'm flying back to New York City again. I'm going to go see her. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to take her out on another date. And he comes back home. And, and the next thing you know, I'm going back to New York City. But I'm not flying this time. I'm driving my truck. And I'm going to get her stuff. And I'm going to move her down to Florida. And when we get here, Pastor is going to redo our wedding vows. And it was just... Joe's whole life was beautiful like that. And when Joe came to church and got in church, and he was sitting in the back row and he began to move his way down, we had a service where we, we had this evangelist come and preach for us. And he was one of those wild and crazy individuals and, you know, running around, screaming, hollering, jumping on pews, whatever. And, and at the end of his message, he made an altar call and says, if you want the Holy Ghost, I want you to come down. So all these people come down to the altar. And the altar's just full of people wanting the Holy Ghost. And so while he's up there jumping around, a lady over here gets the Holy Ghost. And this evangelist hollers out and says, this lady over here just got the Holy Ghost. She just spoke in tongues for the first time. If you want the Holy Ghost, you can have it right now. And so Joe's standing over here and, he doesn't know what's going on. This is, you know, it's all new to him. And so, okay, I want the Holy Ghost. So he throws his hands in the air and he says, Hey, God, it's me, Joe. And immediately, Joe began to speak in that heavenly language as God gloriously filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, that's just a really cool thing. And, and so Joe gets the Holy Ghost and now... Now, he's, he's, he's gone to New York, and he, he gets Lottie, and he moves her down. Now, the first Sunday he's coming to church, we all want to see what Lottie looks like. Because we know what he looks like. And this is like Ripley's Believe It or Not. And so Joe opens up the door, and in comes walking this very beautiful, olive-complected, uh, elder lady with her hair is just perfectly done and she is wearing a suit that is tailored everything about her her shoes are elegant and she's holding one of those nice uh, handkerchiefs that ladies hold don't know what that is or what it's for but um, and she comes walking in and everything about her is coordinated and, and it's just perfect and so we're looking around her because Because that can't be Lottie. And she comes in and he introduces us 
to one of the sweetest and kindest ladies that I have ever met in my entire life. And she would have to be married, be married to Joe. And so she comes in, and she knows nothing about church. She's never had a Bible. She knows nothing about God. And she comes in, and Joe gets to teach her about the God that he's met. Which is a wonderful thing, because too much of our world has met a half-Christian God. And so Joe gets to teach her about the God that he's met. And now Joe comes to the altar and throws his hands in the air and very obnoxiously says, Hey God, it's me, Joe, and gets the Holy Ghost. But when Lottie comes down to the altar, she walks very appropriately and kneels at the altar and takes time to fix her suit and fold her handkerchief in her hands. And she bows her head And she begins to whisper prayers. Now, I grew up Pentecostal. And I know nothing can happen if you're not making a lot of noise. But just as sweet and kindly as Lottie was, God wrapped his arms around her. And in a whisper, she began to speak in that heavenly language as God filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, now for me, what's so cool about that is I'm not Joe. I'm not going to throw my hands in the air like that and holler out. But I'm not Lottie either. I'm not this, this uh, very elegant individual. But God met each of them where they are, which says to me that God will meet me as I am. I don't have to be somebody else. And here's the truth about that. If you're pretending to be somebody else, God knows that you're a fraud. But you just come as yourself and say, hey, God, this is who I am. I'm sanguine. I'm phlegmatic. I'm melancholy. I'm choric. Whoever you are, you just come to God as you are. And God receives you exactly as you are. And I... Our church, our church called them Papa Joe and Mama Lottie. And, and my wife is, is half German, I guess. Or something German. And most of the time she's like Lottie. Very elegant and kind and sweet. And uh, other times she's German. Never mind. I'm just kidding. Just being honoring. And Lottie, being German, and my wife wanted to speak German, Lottie would teach my wife German on Tuesdays, I think it was. And I love this because Lottie was the best cook that you've ever been with. She was just amazing. So it was a great relationship that we had there. She cooked, I ate, she learned German. But when we would sit around at their house talking, Papa Joe would be telling me these stories and be talking to me about the Word of God. And I'd just be sitting there saying, yes, sir, yes, sir. And I'm trying to listen, trying to keep my eyes on his eyes. Because if your eyes ever wandered from Papa Joe's, he would yell at you. You're not listening to me, boy. I'm listening, trust me. You don't really have an option right now. But Papa Joe had, and again, this may be legend, may be true, I have no idea. You know, you can take Joe out of the mob. I don't think we ever quite got the mob out of Joe. He had a dog at his, at his shed. Now, I saw this dog. I saw this dog. It was, it was brutal. It was a beast. It was like part Mastiff, part Rottweiler, part Pitbull, part Alligator, part Doberman. It was an ugly dog. And he had it tied up, and it, he had it tied up to a, about a 20-foot chain to this big oak tree, and that dog loved Papa Joe. And Joe would go over there and and that dog would just lick all over him and lather his face, which I just find disgusting. (laughs) But if anything else went near that dog, it would nearly kill itself trying to destroy what came near it. The dog was a beast. You could throw it a two-by-four with nails and eat the wood and spit out the nails. It was just a mean dog and everything within the perimeter of that chain was dust. Just dust. There was nothing there but dust. And Papa Joe loved that dog. Now, 
Let's just be real today, okay? How many of you know that cats are demon-possessed? I say that cautiously. My little, my little daughter Haley is a major cat lover. She's down in Sunday school, so I'm okay. If she were up here, I would be getting corrected right now. Not all cats. So there happened to be this neighborhood cat that would come around Papa Joe's business. It knew how close it could get to that dog. And it would walk around to that where that dog was, and that dog would see it coming. And that dog would go after it, trying to destroy it. And it would get to the end of that 20-foot chain, and it would nearly choke itself trying to get to that cat. And that cat would just walk all the way around <laughs> that tree, trying, just terrorizing that dog. And the cat knew how close it could get. And it was just as arrogant as it could be. I know some people like that. And that dog was trying to destroy that cat. Now, this, and it would just be making a racket. Papa Joe got tired. Of this cat. Coming around. And aggravating his beloved dog. And so he went to the shed. And got himself an extra ten feet of chain. I don't know if that's true or not. And I hope you don't have to ask me what happened to the cat. Because I'm only willing to go so far with descriptions. But Joe released that dog to do what that dog could always do. In fact, I'll go as far as to say as God made that dog to do what it did. It was designed that way. It was in its nature to destroy the cat. It was in the cat's nature to antagonize the dog, too. So let's just be fair here. But... Uh, cats do seem to have a way of that, don't they? But um, our house is a divided house. My wife and kids are pet lovers, and then there's me. Um, that dog always could do that. And Joe lived a life that was exactly like that. You see, Joe believed that God always had the ability to bring his family back together. But God having the ability to do something and you releasing Him to do it are two different things. And we say to ourselves, there's no way that I would ever hold God back. But Psalm 78, 41 says, Yea, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. They held God back. And Joe just lived this life of just releasing God. God can do anything. I'll just pray for the sick. Some of them will get healed. Some of them won't. And Joe saw more miracles than anybody I know. Because Joe prayed for everybody, believing that God could do anything. And Joe was always bringing people to church and teaching Bible studies. just an amazing individual. And he lived this life of releasing God. God can do it. God can do it. God can do it. And that's the way we are. We've got God held back with this, with this restriction that we put on Him, that He can only go so far. And you, in our attitude is, well, if God wants to do it, He'll do it. But the Bible says differently. The Bible says you've got to allow God to do it. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If that one word changes everything about what follows it, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that's our part. God says, Then, only then, will I hear from heaven, and I will heal their land and forgive their sin. Ezekiel chapter 36, God says seven, in the beginning part of 36, and I love this about God, he has a sense of humor. God just straight up says, I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to mess you up. I'm going to, I'm just going to annihilate you. That's the way he starts 36. In the latter part of 36, he's going to say, but. And he says, I will bless you. And 17 times he says, I will bless. He says, I will bless your home. I'll bless your spouse. I'll bless your cupboard. I'll bless everything about your life. I will bless you 17 times, he says, I will bless. But in the 36th verse, he says, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on you to allow me to do it. You have to release me to do it. And then Revelation, Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says, I'm here. I am knocking at the door. 
if any man, that if changes everything. If any man will hear my voice, will come and will open the door, Jesus says, I will come in and I will dine with you and you will dine with me. You have got to allow God to do it. There's this, this, this whole thing that Joe had about living his life. That he would just release God and say, this is, a, this is my problem, this is my situation, this is my frustration. This is the individual I'm praying for and over and over and over again. And Joe just saw things happen in his life. We buried Joe a few years ago. I believe he was 78 when he, when he passed away. Funerals at our home, I don't know where they are here. Our church sanctuary seats about a thousand people back home. And on a given funeral, there may be 50 people there. It's a tragedy that's happened to our society. But when Joe passed away, it was over 1,500 people that came to that funeral because he had just become such a beloved man in our church. And I called Frank the other day, his son, and I said, Hey, Frank, it's Daryl. I just want to call and see how Mama Lottie's doing. She's doing good. I said, She still get to go to church. I know she's up in years. He said, yeah. He says, every Sunday morning we take her. There's a little home missions church right there where they live. And we take her. And I said, well, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And he says, you know, I can't help but sit in church. He says, I sit there when the preacher's preaching. I just hear in my head my father hollering out, shake the tree, preacher. Shake the tree. Papa Joe was a great father for so many in our church. And I honor him today for the life that he lived and allowing me to witness what God can do. And the great tragedy in our world today is how many broken families there are. How many messed up families. The church is not immune from that. The pastor's family is not immune from that. We all can suffer that. My family is not immune from it. But I believe today that God wants to do a great work in this sanctuary. So with every eye closed, I want to ask a question. God can heal your family. And if your family is suffering from fraction, and you want your marriage to be restored, and for your children to be made whole, I don't want everybody to stand. I just want those people who say, I acknowledge the fact that there's trouble in my home and I want to release God to do an incredible work in my home. Only those people will you stand to your feet as fast as you can. This is what I want to happen. If, If the spouse of the individuals that stood if your spouse is with you, if the spouse will stand and join with them. Because I want for just those people that stood, nobody else, for just those people that stood to make your way down to this altar as quickly as you can. And I'm going to pray with you, and your pastor is going to pray with you, and this church is going to wrap around behind us and create a prayer. Would you come as quickly as you can? And together we're going to pray and believe that God is going to work a miracle in this sanctuary today. Jesus. I want to ask one more question. Is there anybody here today that hasn't received the Holy Ghost like Papa Joe, like Lottie did, or or like so many other millions of people have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the evidence of that heavenly language? If you have not received the Holy Ghost and you want to today, would you raise your hand just so I know who you are? If you want the Holy Ghost, I want you to get it today. In the name of Jesus. Now what I need, could you all spread around that side and, and your pastor is going to come up here and join me? And, and we're going to pray with y'all. And what I want to happen is for, for this congregation. Would y'all squeeze that way just a little bit? We still have some people in the aisle that wanted to come down. And they haven't been able to get down. If y'all squeeze just a little bit to the left. Thank you very much. God's going to bless this church with a beautiful sanctuary. You won't have to move those chairs in the future.
Come on down. God's going to do a great work today. Now, I need this congregation to very quickly join down here with me. The congregation, if you would, stand and come and, 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 and surround behind uh, this group of people. And we're going to begin to pray with them. And we're going to ask God to work miracles in their lives. I don't know why they came. They may have come because they need their marriage restored. They may have come because they need the relationship with their children restored. could be something completely different. I don't know. But God knows. And we're going to release God in this altar this morning to do miraculous things in families. In the name of Jesus Christ, would you close your eyes, raise your hands toward heaven, and begin to pray to your Heavenly Father who hears everything that you say, who knows what you ask of before you ask. He's just waiting on you to release Him. In the name of Jesus. 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 Oh, in the name of Jesus. God, you can do anything. You can do anything, Lord Jesus. You can do anything. You can restore a broken home. You can restore a broken marriage, Lord Jesus. You can save our souls. You can forgive our sins, Lord Jesus.
God can deliver you from bitterness today. God can deliver you from anger today. Jesus. Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, it struck me as we were praying here that there are people in this sanctuary today that are not dealing with present problems, but they're dealing with the bitterness that is left over from past problems. They're dealing with the hurt and the pain. There's a deep presence of God in this sanctuary. It is not the will of God that you live in anger or hate or frustration or bitterness from what happened in your past. God can deliver you from that. We are in the presence of Jesus Christ. Would you reach out and join the person standing next to you? Put your arm around their shoulder somehow and link up with somebody. And let's begin to pray right now that God would heal people's lives. 
that God would heal us from hurt, that God would heal us from bitterness. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, there are children in here that are frustrated over what their parents did. God can deliver you from that. He can heal you. There are spouses in here that are angry over something that your husband or your wife did. God can restore you. He can make you whole again. He can lift your eyes. He can strengthen your knees. He can raise your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ. Cover us with your blood today. Cover us with your blood today. Cover us with your blood today, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would restore minds. I pray that you would restore hearts today. I pray that you would heal those who are brokenhearted, Lord Jesus. You are the heart mender. You are the peace speaker, Lord Jesus. Spirit just heal for a minute those that are praying here and I believe there's something special happening in this place right now and I thank God for his Holy Spirit comforter strength healer amen I feel his presence here praise God I know he's doing a work you can put your faith in Jesus you can put your faith in him hallelujah praise God praise God thank you Lord Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. We're going to pray one more prayer and we'll allow those that are praying and want to continue to pray. You're welcome to do so. And uh, uh, I want you to make sure you, if possible, get in touch with your, your dad or spend some time with him today. And uh, we're going to say a, pr- a prayer and invite you, welcome you to. Uh, Go get your children and uh, 
enjoy this day. And I want you to continue praying. There's prayer here Monday night. I would like to mention I had some ask about the uh, life group this afternoon, Financial Peace University, uh, because people want to do things with their family. If we could cancel that until next week. And so um, I think that's probably the best thing to do. So we will do no Financial Peace University this afternoon, but next Sunday uh, we'll continue with that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we thank you. You're our Heavenly Father and you love us so very much. And you're a Heavenly Father who's not limited. Not limited in your ability. We know you can do it, Lord Jesus. You can restore. You can heal. You can lift us up, Lord Jesus. God, we're putting our faith and trust in you today, Jesus. Pray for every person, Lord God, who heard the word today. For every person who by faith made a step in response to your word. Pray for those, Lord Jesus, maybe haven't received your spirit yet or experienced the power of the gospel. Pray, Jesus, that that would be allowed to happen in their life. Pray for our church family, Jesus, as we go from this place to enjoy time with our fathers. That you would bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you.